Welcome back to the Georgia 2022 show. We are brought to you by the Georgia Record. We're still on the road out of the studio. Uh, today we have two great guests, Garland Favorito, who's going to discuss the latest in the election fraud in Georgia, which is a multi-decade issue that we all are trying to adjudicate. And then Bill Quinn will come on and talk about the latest in the Brunson case, which is a case which could impact the entire country. So uh, before we get into that, I want to once again talk to you about our no ad subscriptions. CD Media is the tip of the spear. We were the first in Ukraine. We were the first on the vaccines. We were the first in Brazil outing all the evidence. We're always early. So if you want to know what's going on in the world early before everybody else, watch, read CDM. And you can get all of our content without any ads by signing up for our no ad subscription. I know a lot of people don't like that pop-up ads on their phone or whatever, but you can get across all 10 of our websites with no ads uh, by signing up and paying us a few bucks a month. So check that out, please, and help support free media. Help us support our children's future and the fight against corrupt media. So I'm going to bring in Garland Favorito now. Hello, Tom. It's been a while. How are you? I said I'm doing fine. Uh, how about yourself? Uh, we're busy. We're busy, as I'm sure you are. So uh, give, give us an update on where everything is. We haven't talked in a while. You've got multiple cases going on. We just had the runoff. So give us your impression of what's happening in the great state of Georgia. Uh, um, the, the, well, actually, let me back up. Um, as okay. The election, the Senate election in, um, in general. So mm -hmm. the, I think you probably saw the press release that we sent out where Herschel Walker lost 20,000 votes at 10 o'clock on election night in the original election. Mm -hmm. So that, that was really uh, highly unusual. We don't know why, because at the same time, Raphael Warnock increased 1,000 and uh, over the Libertarian his uh, increased uh, 300. So there's no explanation, no technical explanation for the um, results to have gone down. I think I'm going to raise this question this week at a state election board meeting. Hey, Garland, Garland, we, you're breaking up a good bit. Can you drop out and try to come back in real quick? Just reboot. Uh, absolutely. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. So while we're waiting on Garland to come back in, I want to talk to you about also our other sponsor, which is MyPillow. Christmas is coming up, and uh, we don't want you to go to the big box retailers where they're buying all Chinese products and buy your Christmas gifts. We want you to go to MyPillow.com and get and search really for what Mike has on his, on his website. Use promo code CDM, get the best discounts, and uh, find your Christmas presents there. Support a patriot. Don't support the big box retailers, which are trying to destroy the country. So uh, MyPillow is one of our biggest sponsors and has uh, done a great job fighting the cabal. So please support Mike, support us with promo code CDM. Well, essentially, just to recap what you were saying is that Herschel had 20,000 votes that magically disappeared and, uh, and his opponent gained. And then you had non-transparency in the uh, runoff election. You there? Yeah, hi. I'm going to just put my mic on and you talk, okay? So just uh, give us a rundown and repeat what you said, please, and I'll just edit the first part out. Thanks. Uh, 
you think that the um, the Georgia Supreme Court is going to kick our case for the Fulton County counterfeit ballot case back to the Judge uh, Romero because of their recent rulings they made in the Southern Confederate Veterans case where they said that voters have standing to challenge election officials who violate the law. Um, we had an interesting case this past week on election challenge with the school board grunt race. We have a, a situation where um, it appears, uh, well, it's not, it's, it doesn't just appear, but it's really, we say pretty concrete that the head of the uh, Fulton County uh, registration area, uh, we believe committed perjury in court this week. Uh, and we're looking to um, see what we can do about that. Uh, and then we have a big announcement coming on the, we think on the, um, the case that where Secretary Raffensperger outsourced data, uh, voter registration data to third parties in violation of multiple Georgia statutes. So all of that is in play, plus a couple more. We just filed recently another case for the destruction of the original 2020 ballot images. Um, we filed that case um, uh, in, against, uh, I guess it was Cobb County for Sainz-Cahuita. Uh, there is uh, oh, yeah, over 1.7 million original ballot images from the 2020 election were destroyed by counties in violation of both federal and state law, which requires the uh, records, election records to be retained by for two years. So uh, that, those, uh, that one is in progress. We haven't got a hearing on that yet. Just filed that um, recently. Uh, so those three counties represented about 700,000 of the ballot images that were, were restored, restored, were uh, destroyed. About 700,000 of the 1.7 million. So, um, so let's see, we've been there. Uh, a lawsuit uh, against uh, the Dominion system is also uh, still in the Georgia Court of Appeals. And, uh, and the Secretary Ravensburger, uh, the lawsuit charge of the primary, is, we're still waiting for a trial on that. We, that's one we have to see all 159 counties. And uh, Secretary Ravensburger's uh, race was still highly questionable. And unfortunately, they've already had the general election, and we still haven't had our trial for the primary yet. So it's just kind of bizarre. Garland, thank you very much. Uh, sorry about the technical issues, and uh, we'll have you back on soon. I appreciate you coming on. All right, thank you. Thank you. Bye. Well, I'm not sure if people would hear that. We're going to edit this out for the replay. I'm going to bring in Bill Quinn now. Hey, Bill, how are you? Hey, Todd, how are you? Oh, the joys of live shows. It's just amazing. <laughs> well, if it was easy, everybody would be doing this, right? <laughs> that's true. That's true. So you have been really uh, good at staying on top of what's happening behind the scenes. And one of those issues you've been following, in addition to Connick and all the others, is the Brunson case. And uh, so give us an update on that and why you think it's impactful, what it is, because people may have missed the last show and, 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 and what's going on. You bet. You bet. Thanks, Todd. So um, Brunson versus Adams. This case came um, on the sort of the public eye about three weeks ago. Not everybody spotted it. And it appeared uh, early on the docket with the Supreme Court of the United States. 
And pretty quickly, people were asking, what is this and where did it come from? So we'll spend just a few minutes on that. Mm -hmm. And then it's it's the processes that, that happened that are the most fascinating, I think, so far. So let's talk about this. This is a case brought by essentially uh, four brothers out of Ogden, Utah. And it started in the state courts in Ogden. And uh, they actually filed, I believe, three separate cases that were very similar but with slightly different strategies. Of those, one has made it to the U.S. Supreme Court at this point. Um, the basis of the case does not try to claim fraud. It's different than every other case, I think, that people have heard of. What it is saying is that the um, Congress and those given information about all the concerns and abnormalities and, you know, seeming evidence and so forth about the um, 2020 election were beholden based on their oath to, one, pause and investigate. It's part of what they promised to do when they took office. And very frankly, just about every public official uh, and certainly every elected public official anywhere in the U.S. has an oath that's similar to this, but Congress and uh, all the all the folks involved in this specifically have oaths. So um, it did not go after fraud. It went after uh, and, and asserted that they had failed to live up to their oath, and in so doing, violated that oath and potentially violated clauses within the Constitution as well. Hmm. So who is this? Well, it it names Pence, uh, it names Biden, it names Harris, it names Pelosi and 385 members of Congress all at once. Mm. So um, the process that, that was followed was, again, brothers, the Brunson brothers filed these cases. Uh, Roland Brunson's uh, case is the one that's made it to the U.S. Supreme Court. And it was very interesting. At one point, it was bogged down. Uh, it was actually pulled over from state court to the U.S. District Court by U.S. attorneys. And really just sat there and the brothers felt like it was it was basically going to get stuck and they found something called rule 11 that says if um, a case involves a national emergency rule 11 allows it to jump over the appellate court and go straight to uh, the supreme court and so mm -hmm. they, they actually used that to bring it to the uh, u.s supreme court's attention um, right right after that the U.S. attorneys that were involved at the appellate level said, oh, gosh, but maybe we better get a, a ruling on this. And so they had uh, that case was ultimately dismissed. So um, the U.S. Supreme Court has this as a, you know, as a case that's been brought forward. And lo and behold, something very special happened. Uh, it's not completely unknown, but boy, it's rare. And that is one of the clerks reached out to the Brunson brothers and said, we see this case that you brought forward. When do you think you can have this ready to, and, and give it to us? Hmm. And at that point, it looked like it might take them, you know, a number of weeks to get it and so forth. And uh, they, they said, can you, can you do it a bit faster? And this goes back to the, um, I believe the uh, August, September timeframe. And, um, and in fact, the as part of the guidance from the um, or ask from the clerk of the Supreme Court, they were asked to actually include in their filing what they believed would be the answer from the defendants. Hmm. 
very interesting. One, the fact that a clerk would reach out, I mean, think about this. The Supreme Court clerks don't act on their own. They right. act at the, uh, at the pleasure and at the direction of one or more of the justices. So that's, an, that's a message in this too. One, of the, one or more of the justices, um, I believe, my conjecture, wants to see this case. Mm -hmm. Two, um, the fact that they would say, could you please include your belief as to how the answer is going to be proposed um, is, again, another interesting step. Um, these, uh, these brothers are brothers. They're not attorneys. They don't have any background in, in working with folks like the Supreme Court. But here they get, you know, uh, a bit of a bit of um, I'll call it guidance, perhaps, or at least a, a good question in a good direction. So now the case gets put together. They they asked that it be sent pretty much as quickly as possible, and it was actually sent to the Supreme Court on October twentieth. It was received on October twenty first, and was then entered on their docket on October twenty fourth. Hmm. It was set at that time for um, a uh, calendar entry was made for a, an answer by the plaintiffs. Again, we're talking about 389 members of Congress, including Pence, Harris, Biden, and Pelosi. Um, and that was due on November 23rd. Two things happened before November, hmm. coming up to November 23rd. One, um, the U.S. Solicitor General, Elizabeth Preligar, took the, any of the attorneys for the defendants and they were removed from the case and the U.S. Solicitor General took the defendant attorney position herself. Interesting. Very interesting. And then two, on, uh, on or about November 23rd, the U.S. Solicitor General filed a waiver of the right to even answer the complaint. Now, that's not completely unusual. Sometimes, you know, when folks answer they're actually giving more information that they might not wish to give to a to a plaintiff so it's not completely unknown for this to happen but it does it does beg some questions so the case is being closely watched in it's any been super closely yeah. watched and again with there's these very funny dynamics about the way it's being handled so what does the case ask for um we talked about the fact that it it asserts that folks have failed to live up to their oaths and it asks for a couple of things. One is that they be removed from office immediately, really mm -hmm. immediately. Mm -hmm. And two, that they never be allowed to hold office again anywhere in the United States. Wow. So clearly this is a, a very broad, uh, very unusual, very outrageous case. So the other question that, that strikes me is here's the U.S. Supreme Court. They know that anything they do is going to be watched very closely by the entire country and, and really by the world. And yet they take this case on. Now, this, this is uh, one out of, uh, I don't have the current count, but it's one out of a, a very few numbered hundreds of cases that they take in the, in the course of a year. Normally, mm -hmm. there's five to 7,000 cases that are brought to the Supreme Court for consideration. They only take on, you know, 150, 250, something like that per year. And this happens to be one of them. And my, the question in my mind is, why? Why would this be one of the ones gets picked out? I've seen some stuff fly around that, you know, maybe they just want to get rid of it. Maybe they're just trying to, uh, you know, control it or 
Have you seen some of that stuff being? There's, you know, there's all, there's conjectures in every camp. There's one mm -hmm. as well, better to control it than let it just flop around where it's maybe less predictable. Mm -hmm. But again, by taking it on, it brings it into focus for, sure. uh, for everybody watching and more and more by the day are watching this. Mm -hmm. The other two questions that you hear as well, you know, who brought this concern forward? Did they have a reasonable notice to Congress to pause and look at this? If you look back uh, just before the January 6th vote, um, Ted Cruz and uh, about five other senators in a, in a group of legislators brought forth a statement and I believe a letter directly to uh, Congress saying there's concerns here. We really want you to pause. Yeah. And investigate. Days or so. Yeah, that's correct. It was done. I believe on the one was done on the 2nd of January. Mm -hmm. The other question that pops up is, well, what gave them the right to do this? Well, it's actually been done before. Mm -hmm. um, in 1877, during the Hayes-Tilden race, concerns popped up. And um, the same thing was done. And Congress took a 10-day pause mm -hmm. to investigate prior to moving forward. So the very fact that, one, there's precedent. Two, there was a, there was a formal request. And three, that nothing happened. Yeah. Begs a ton of questions. So what could happen now? Well, anything is the answer. Do, yeah. we, do we believe as we sit here that, that this will be completely acted upon? There's no reason to believe that. There's, it, it's, it's one of those cases where everything is within SCOTUS's hands to, to take this forward. They could move quickly. They could move slowly. They could hear it. They could choose to table it, push it back down to the, you know, to the appellate court. All, all the options are on the table. But if you think back to these questions, they, they, the questions still sit there. Why did they take it on? Why did, they, why did the clerk get direction to go call them and, and give them um, you know, perhaps some help, if you want to look at it that way, and bringing it forward? Mm -hmm. um, and, and to, Do we know anything about they, the clerk as to what judge they were working for? Or anything no, like no, no. That would be, that would be pretty, pretty tightly held information, I, I think. But, but keep in mind, the clerks don't act on their own. They are yeah, acting at at the direction of one or more of the one or more of the justices. So this is currently when it when it first popped, at least on my radar, it was set um, for that uh, uh, response on November 23rd. Mm -hmm. the, the waiver was done right around there. So there would be no answer from the defendants. And it is now set for what's called conference. What that means is copies of the case have been distributed to each one of the justices the next step would be for them to go into conference. Um, normal step would be for them to go into conference, discuss it. And if four justices agree, then they can take it to a next step, which could be a hearing. It could be a number of other things. Um, but it, but it is fascinating that it's, that it continues to progress. Hmm. Um, the other thing that's happened just in, in the last um, couple of days, um, Many folks are beginning to see um, videos, including Loy Brunson, one of the brothers. He's not the one who's named on this case, but they're they're very tight knit family. So there's Loy Brunson, then the other name uh, on the case itself is Roland Brunson, um, and the initiative has been started all across the country to have folks state their wishes, both to the Supreme Court and then copy the Brunson brothers. Hmm. Um, basically what they're asking for folks to do, and there's, uh, we'll talk in just a moment about where they can get the data to do this, but basically send two letters 
So two stamps, two pieces of paper, and two envelopes, and about 10 minutes of time. And they're asking folks to weigh in with uh, the Supreme Court and ask them to please review and consider this case. Um, very low cost, very low effort for everybody. But, you know, given everybody's um, frustration, I'll call it, with what happened in Arizona, what, with mm -hmm. what's happened in Georgia, and very frankly, what's happened for the last two years. Mm -hmm. This seems like a very little thing to do, and it allows everybody to weigh in. Yeah. So um, we've gotten information out to folks um, all across Georgia on this just in the last uh, last hour or so. Um, I would highly recommend that folks um, go to, uh, there's actually a video up that talks about how to uh, how to do the process. Perhaps um, we could even have an article out by tomorrow that talks a bit more about the details. Super Great. simple, super simple. The example letter ready to go. Um, we have it up currently on Georgia Save Our State uh, BitChute. We have it up on Georgia Save Our State Substack, Facebook. And also I would highly recommend folks go to a, a, another Rumble channel known as The Jennifer Mack. And they will find, uh, did you write your letters yet or did you send your letters yet? Review that and it'll show you the same exact information. Simple, quick. Um, I would like to think that we can get literally millions of folks to respond to this. If, yeah. you're, if folks are frustrated with what they've seen, this is this is the time, this is the way to send a message. Please pause and look at look at this case. Check the merits. And I think that do, would be do a Do you have any statement. idea of how what the range of rulings could be? I mean, I know you're not an attorney, but uh, it again, everything is everything is in their hands. They yeah. again they could push it down. I don't have a, a list for you, but mm -hmm. Um, but they could push it down to a lower court again. They could let it sit. Um, they could do really anything that they, they chose to. But, um, you know, and they could act uh, in a very quick form if they chose to in, in any of those regards. Um, the case was originally brought forward um, out of the appellate court before the appellate court even dismissed it using something called Rule 11, which says yeah. it's a national emergency. So given the fact it was brought forward in that manner, the court has within its uh, auspices to, to act as quickly or as slowly as they wish. Um, wow. it's, it, it, it could be very fascinating. So um, I guess my big ask for, for those, that, uh, those that hear this today is if you wanted to take action, this is your chance. Do it. It's simple. Um, the information will be all over the place as to what to do. You'll be done in 10 minutes and your voice can be heard. Seems like an easy ask. I, anything I anything so. else, Bill, that you want uh, Georgians to know? Um, the week one is, you know, as frustrating as this process has been, if there's still questions lingering, which I think there are surrounding the uh, even the runoff elections, mm -hmm. um, this is not a time to give up. Exactly. If If you listen to... Gosh, I think almost every rally that uh, that President Trump has done, he ends with a couple of couple of statements. You know, we will not bend, we will not break, we will not yield, we will not we will not g give up, we will never back down. And I I truly believe that's a that's a statement that's there for a reason, and it's to encourage us yeah. to stay the course. Well, we just put out an article on Brazil, and the same thing is happening there, where the people are camped outside the Brazilian military headquarters, and they, for almost forty days, and they said, "We're not leaving." It's exactly so, right, Mike. You know, hundreds of thousands of people. 
and it sounds as if it's escalating to yeah. um, some actions. I believe I saw something about uh, uh, yeah. two of the um, uh, leftist cartel leaders having been taken out and, mm -hmm. you know, uh, planning for additional actions this coming week. So isn't it funny that these things would be happening in multiple areas um, yeah. to almost give us a, a vision of, yeah. uh, of things? Well, we're living in historic, historic times. This is going to be written about in the history books. We so are. I, I tell people, you're lucky to be alive. You're lucky to have the chance to save the republic. You bet. You yeah. bet. You're gonna so, have you're gonna have plenty of content for a long time to come, Todd. I, you're exactly right, Bill. Well, I appreciate what you've been bringing to the show and to the Georgia Record, and uh, thank you. Please keep it up because it's highly insightful. You you bet, and uh, thank you for the opportunity to bring uh, bring some of this forward. You bet. Merry Christmas. Merry Talk Christmas. Christmas. Right. Take care. Take care. Thank you for joining the Georgia 2022 show today. We'll be back next week and uh, hopefully no audio problems. It's been two weeks in a row with our guests. So uh, I'm going to probably edit this show and, uh, and we'll get what we can of Garland's segment uh, out there. But essentially he said there's a lot of lack of transparency in the runoff. Very funny stuff going on in multiple counties, uh, which is and they're continuing their lawsuits. Uh, on the Fulton County, 140,000 fraudulent ballots that still haven't been reviewed for 2020, et cetera. And uh, thank you again, and we'll see you next week on the Georgia 2022 show. Sign up for our no-ad subscriptions. Thank you.